You're listening to the Bitcoin.com Exchange Podcast. Our guest today is Joe Jusen, co-founder of Bitcoin Vend. The opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints expressed by various guests or sponsors of the podcast are solely their own. They do not necessarily reflect those of the podcast host or the other people, entities, or organizations affiliated with the creation or production of the podcast. The guest and sponsor may consider their information reliable, but others involved in the creation or presentation of the podcast do not warrant the accuracy of guest or sponsor information, and it should not be relied upon. This episode is brought to you by the Bitcoin.com exchange, the exchange you can trust. Buy and sell Bitcoin as well as 250 digital assets. The Bitcoin.com exchange is secure, fast, easy, and reliable. Register within seconds and buy crypto with a credit or debit card. Join our community of traders now. Exchange. .bitcoin.com. I'm your host, Dustin Planthold. Join us as we dive into the world of economics, politics, tech, Bitcoin, and cryptocurrency. For even more crypto-related news, sign up at news.bitcoin.com or follow us on Twitter at Bitcoin.com. Now let's bring on our guest. Joe, welcome to the show. Dustin, thank you for having me on. Thank you for joining us. Now let's dig in. Your company is Bitcoin Ven, but before we dig into it, I'd love to hear about a story, the journey into this thing called Bitcoin or into this, this crypto blockchain ecosystem. How did your journey begin? Uh, well, that's a, that's a nice way to start. Um, I suspect every, everyone's got an interesting journey, I think. And um, for, me, it was, uh, for me, it was a fantastic experience because uh, I've always been an avid researcher. Um, I worked in the health and well-being space before I discovered crypto and was doing a lot of research, reading a lot of scientific papers and working for nutritional supplements companies. Um, and I had been in my spare time uh, researching into economics, the law society, how money systems work, etc. Um, a friend of mine was mining. So this is around 2012. Um, he, was a, he was a web developer for me um, on various projects I was running. And he was mining Bitcoin. And I was like, what is this crazy stuff? Like, what's going on? I had no, I had no idea about it. And uh, I was with another friend of mine at his house. Um, and I kept asking him, like, what are you doing, Stevie? What, what are you doing on your computer? I'm like, you're, you're mining this like digital money. I'm like, I had no clue what was going on. Um, he was explaining it to me. And then my other friend, who I'd been doing a lot of research into the law society with, he said, Joe, Digital signatures encrypted on the internet, free market money. And that was like my aha moment. That was like, oh, I'm like, this is powerful stuff. And I looked at, you know, my brain connected up a whole load of dots. And I was like, wow, this is really, really interesting. Because I had this understanding, which is uh, there's, a, there's a maxim in law, which is like very old uh, laws, which says... Um, a law can give rise to a fiction, but a fiction cannot give rise to a law. And I understood that we're the law that gives rise to the fiction of money through our signatures. And the banks administer things on our behalf. And I was like, ooh, encrypted signatures, which are like in our control. I'm like, this is fascinating. And boom, deep dive. Um, so I didn't really put any money in. I was just really interested in, in learning about the technology and looking at what was going on. And, and uh, Bitcoin was coming down from, from the first Silk Road pump. Um, and then a bit later on in 2000 and 
early 2015. I'd been looking, I'd been dabbling, doing a little bit of trading here and there, looking at some altcoins. And then in 2015, uh, we got to that really nice low point, um, I think like $185. And at that point, I was in a bit of a different situation. I was like, boom, money in. Um, and I bought a nice chunk and then spent the ni- next few years um, going on a bit of a roller coaster ride with trading. Um, I didn't have a financial, I don't have a financial background, um, never had any training on that. And I was like, hey, this is an opportunity here to give myself more financial freedom. And I jumped straight in. And as most people do in that situation, started losing my money straight away, you know. So um, that was interesting. And I got to the point where I said to my the same friend who explained who helped me understand what Bitcoin was. I said, um, uh, you know, I'm like 60% down, man. What do I do? Um, and he's like, well, you've got a choice, you know? It's like, you can cut your losses and get out or you can learn. Um, I'm like, I'm going to learn. I'm not going to take that loss. I'm like, uh, I'm going to crack on. So I moved away from f- futures, which had obviously attracted me. Greed, you know, being able to leverage. Um, moved away from futures, got back onto the spot market and spent the next two to three years uh, having a fantastic time um, making money with Bitcoin. I was always resistant to the nine to five life. So I was like, yeah, this is brilliant. And traveled the world, um, had an amazing time, spent way too many Bitcoins. Um, when I look back nowadays, I'm like, oh my God, I should have held on to more of that. Um, and basically Bitcoin and crypto was my life for uh, up until about 2016 when I took a slight directional shift. Um, I'd always been interested in marketing psychology. Um, and seeing how people respond to things. And I met a guy who's working with us, one of our advisors, Peter, um, and started going down the route of looking at um, marketing psychology and kind of doing uh, uh, an uh, unorthodox apprenticeship, you could say, working with one of his companies. Um, And Peter said something very interesting to me. He said, um, he's like, Joe, what's the one thing that's needed most in the crypto space? And obviously it's like, boom, education. so we started a small project and we got caught in the in the 2018 boom plummet of Bitcoin. We weren't really in the best position with finances to continue our project. Um, so then I started looking at other things um, and that project was a non-starter at that point. We basically ran out of money. A um, few years later, I find myself in the institutional OTC space um, full of scams, full of people talking about what they don't know. And I was like, hmm, it doesn't really work like this when I was having these conversations. I was like, where are the people who really understand this OTC market? Because uh, I didn't, but I was learning. Um, and then in one conversation, um, Chris happened to be in the conversation. Uh, Chris is the founder of Bitcoin Bend. And I started doing some deals with Chris and we started having success in the OTC space. He was working for one of the big institutions, um, market making and liquidity settlement infrastructure etc um and there's a high failure rate in otc um as most people will know um and then later on chris said hey do you want to get involved in something a bit maybe not easier but uh with where the success is more in in our control and i'm like of course chris what have you got in mind and he's like look i came up with this concept um we need to build an application which does this this and this and i'm like uh Yes, I want that application for myself as much as anything. That would be awesome to be able to spend my cryptos. And so that was about eight months, 12 months ago, uh, looking at really what's happening in the market and how we could uh, create solutions to the problems that um, that people were facing. And that's where Bitcoin then started. Um, and yeah, that's about eight or 12 months ago. And we just came to market a little bit quickly. 
because of the potential for a big drop. Uh, we wanted to get to market, uh, raise some funds because we'd funded it all ourselves up until that point. And, um, and we did so. And now we're a month or so in, um, cleaning up the mess which we created by starting a bit too fast. So let me ask you and then we can build a nice business. Well, let me ask you about that. I mean, starting a company that there's always the, we know what we're going to do. We have our timeline and the old saying that man plans or woman plans and God laughs that things change along the way. So let me ask you kind of twofold. What sort of hours does it take the moment that idea hits your head to get it out to start a business? And then what does it take in terms of dedication and hours ongoing? To, to make sure that it's always at its best? Uh, I think the, the best way to explain that is it's, I'm, I'm not a parent, but um, friends of mine will ask me, hey, Joe, you always seem to be working. Like, you don't do anything else. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, working is my life. I, this is what I love doing. And I'm like, think about it. It's like you having a child. Like, when you have a new business, you can't abandon it. You know, it doesn't matter whether you have to do something at four o'clock in the morning or work 16 hour days, seven days straight for six months. Once you start and you start moving and you pick up momentum, you have to hold on to it and you have to nurture it and, and grow it. And it takes, yeah, it takes its toll. And you've got to get that balance between, you know, your own stability and your own well-being, um, and also considering the business, um, yourself primarily, because if you're not in a good space to be able to help things grow and move along, then the business is going to suffer. So it's this very interesting dynamic of like absolute uh, gung-ho commitment and dedication. And at the same time, knowing when to stop um, because you just get burnt out. But um, I mean, for me, I have endless energy and I think that's important. If you're going to start something, you've got to really believe in what you're doing. You've got to know that your solution is needed. um, And then you just got to work your ass off to make it happen and make sure that when things go wrong, which they always do, um, that you fix them, that you patch the holes quickly and you don't let your ship sink and you keep moving forward and get the right people around you who have got equal amounts of dedication, have got different skill sets to you uh, and, and trust them to do their part and trust yourself to do your part and communicate and just make it happen. It's all about, it's all about teamwork. So talk Doing about, things alone and, and so talk about building a team. I mean, in this now, this COVID age where everything is digital, <clears throat> How has that been building a team? What have you learned? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> at the moment that we need more people and that we, we don't have enough right now. Um, so it's really about, um, at the beginning, it's about making sure that you've got strong people who are cross-functional. You need to be able to do, in a startup, you need to be able to do multiple roles and you need to be able to pick up pieces um, where other people aren't going to be able to and lean on one another. Um, and that's probably the biggest thing. It's trust in, you know, knowing that, hey, Joe can't get that done today. Where can I pick up where he left off and, and take care of that? Like, where is Joe struggling or where is another team member struggling? And so building a team for us has been very organic because I've known Chris for a while and we've been working on things together. We know each other's working style. Um, we're quite different in how we work, which I think is very advantageous if you're able to communicate through that. And then Chris has some uh, people around him who I didn't know before, uh, but got to know through Chris, um, who have become members of the team. I've brought other people in as members of the team. So it's been a very organic process. We haven't done so much recruiting, so to speak, at the moment. We're a small, tight-knit group of people who know one another and have built friendships and strong relationships through business activities. And I think that's the key, like never do business with your friends, always become friends through business. 
I think that's good counsel. You know, it's fascinating to see how this has evolved. You know, when Bitcoin first came out, uh, there were things it was being used for. Now today, you've got Wall Streeters coming in, financial institutions, and you have entire ecosystems being built around blockchain technology. So talk about blockchain technology. How innovative is it? And and what is it exactly? Is it like sorcery, like Harry Potter kind of magic? Hmm. Well, this is interesting. Um, I have some great contacts all over the world uh, in different different industries and who have had really interesting experiences from people who have worked in big tech to uh, working in the secret service and um, have a couple of friends who are like, I don't even know their real names. They're a non-hackers um, or white hat hackers. And um, for me, it's, it's fascinating because uh, as I think most of us know, we're at the very beginning of what this technology can do for humankind. Um, we've been through uh, some inventions um, over the years, um, like technological discoveries, which have really shifted uh, society. I mean, if you look backwards, you could say that um, the development of modern agriculture was really significant. It enabled cities to grow very fast. Um, the printing press was, again, really significant, sharing information. Next, you have the Internet, sharing information in an even broader sense and communicating the way that we do, uh, not just human to human, but computer to computer and data moving everywhere. And then the next big thing is um, it's blockchain, uh, as Andreas Antonopoulos would say, the Internet of money. Um, so I think the implications of this technology, as as we all know, uh, are enormous. They're enormously vast, and we're still very much in the infant days of what blockchain can, technology can do. And I like to look at it as just, um, you know, it's a it's a glorified Excel spreadsheet of um, of trust, uh, which is like a special accounting book which everyone can see. Uh, and the implications of that are, are vast. Um, some people ask me questions like, hey, I don't really understand this blockchain stuff. You've been in, a while, in it for a while. And I was like, just, just think about different scenarios. And depending on who it is, you can come up with different ways to explain it to them. And quite often what I find one of the nicest ways is like, is talking about the trust model. Um, like, let's say that you, you're a parent and you want to find a good babysitter. Um, and this is ways that blockchain is not being used right now. So I like talking about this stuff. So you, you're a parent and you want to find a babysitter. Um, like, how do you know that that babysitter is going to do a good job looking after your kids? Um, like, if you had a blockchain system around that, you could know that everyone who's reviewed that babysitter knows that it's never going to be removed and that everyone else can see it, which means you get into the game theory um, principles where people have to become really serious about what they do and how they act and how they move because you can't get away from data once it's printed into the blockchain. So... I just think it's fascinating technology which can do so much more for our lives than just help with finances. Um, and for me, that's one of the strong points. It's like finance is the beginning, I think, because financial well-being enables people the freedom to make better choices and do what they want to do and find their passions and strengths. So, And it has so much control over how the world works. So, um, but I think sometimes the crypto space needs to take a little bit of focus away from the financial side of things. Uh, everyone's kind of like, yeah, let's, let's accumulate Bitcoin and, um, and make more fiat and, and take profits as we see. So you're actually telling me there's utility and there's actual problems being solved independent of cryptocurrency trading desks. Uh, maybe not yet, but we're getting there. I think we're getting there. 
Um, it's really interesting to see certain African nation states looking at how blockchain can work, charities looking at how they can distribute things. But what's really exciting for me is further down the line as we get to utilizing it as a system of trust for not just finances, because it's got so much potential. And this whole discovery mechanism you asked earlier, and I didn't really answer it rabbiting on, but this discovery mechanism of what is blockchain and where did it come from? Like a lot of people are like, yeah, this Satoshi Nakamoto guy just like invented this stuff. But then you look into the cypherpunks movement and you realize that like this is the culmination of lots of different bits of technology, which people have tried to figure out. And Satoshi Nakamoto in inverted commas kind of pulled it all together. So it's a, a very natural evolution of technology, which we can utilize in many ways. I think it's beautiful. So I'm going to have to ask you this one because the doggy coin or Doge coin's been been going up and down, and there, there's a certain person out there talking about it. So, Joe, <laughs> what do you think? Will Doge become Mars's official currency? Hmm. Uh, I think that's uh, that's for space cadets to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not because saying no. I, I'm not saying no, but um, I mean it's very interesting. Um, you look at. Um, the gentleman we're talking about and his interview with Jack Ma. And I think that's really fascinating to look at how people are so different. Jack Ma is kind of like, hey, why are you talking about Mars? Like, let's sort our own planet out. And I'm very much from that perspective. I'm like, look, let's focus on the here and now grassroots, get our feet on the ground and figure out how we can help our planet and help one another um, instead of shooting off into Mars right now. So, yeah, maybe it will, Dustin, but um, let's see. I think we've got more more pressing issues on the planet to to deal with. I love that. So how can we learn more about Bitcoin Ven? At the moment, um, we have quite a basic website up. It will improve massively over the next three to six months. And we are on www.bitcoinvend.com. Um, and we've got a bit of social presence at the moment as well, just starting to ramp up numbers. And we have a really nice community, which is small right now. Um, and that's one of the great things. Um, I think if you hype things too much, you just... Uh, run yourself into a pump and dump scenario. So we want to see small organic growth and we encourage people to just come and get stuck in. And because we are small at the moment, we're able to give people like really one-to-one -one attention and um, ask us questions, get your question answered in a personal sense. And we're running at the moment um, a live chat inside of uh, Telegram every Friday, which is really nice. It's been a small group of people, but you get new numbers coming in and people get the chance and they appreciate it so much. And that's something that I really enjoy is when you can talk to your, which are in principle investors, you know, people are buying your token, they're investing in your idea and in, in your vision. Um, so I think it's really nice to take advantage of at this early stage, being able to speak to those people. And then it's a funny scenario in, in business because you end up with like thousands of smaller investors, um, a lot of which just want to see the coin pump. And then other guys are like, hey, we really believe in your vision and and see what's going on here. Like slow and steady wins the race. Just keep incrementally moving forward. So I invite people to come and come and get stuck in, come and interact, um, especially take advantage whilst the community is small because it won't always be possible to have that kind of personal, personal touch on things. Thank you again for sharing your story on the Bitcoin.com exchange podcast. Thank you, Dustin. Pleasure to be here with you. The opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints expressed by various guests or sponsors of the podcast are solely their own. They do not necessarily reflect those of the podcast host or the other people, entities, or organizations affiliated with the creation or production of the podcast. The guest and sponsor may consider their information reliable, 
but others involved in the creation or presentation of the podcast do not warrant the accuracy of guest or sponsor information, and it should not be relied upon. You've listened to another episode of the Bitcoin.com podcast. Subscribe at news.bitcoin.com, where your journey begins.